You are tuned in to Sound Science with me, your host, Dr. Yuande Pierce on Dub Lab Radio. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good. I have to say that the sun is a magical elixir of life and since it's been consistently sunny again with all of that intermittent rain hopefully behind us I feel great, I feel motivated, I want to go on hikes, I want to go explore new areas of LA I want to take up new hobbies, take on new challenges, I feel fortified, it's great Not that I'm complaining about the rain, the plants need it but it was forcing me into hibernation so now I feel like I've got a spring in my step and I'm back um, and I hope you're feeling the same. So, welcome to the show. Usually, I dedicate the show to an interesting science story that in some ways relates to music. Sometimes it doesn't directly relate to music, but I'll choose the tunes um, that provide a appropriate soundtrack to the subject. And I'll usually have a couple of guests, experts in the field who are a lot more knowledgeable than I am, helping me to tell those stories. However, this month, I'm gonna do things a little bit differently. So first of all, it's only gonna be me. And secondly, the entire episode is dedicated to unsung female science heroes. That's right, it's not even International Women's Day, but I don't care because I think that every day should be a celebration of women. So you may or may not have heard of Massive Science. Massive is amazing. I really urge you to go to www.massivesci.com. It's incredible. So it's dedicated to helping scientists share stories about their work and lives in pursuit of a more informed, rational and curious society. So what they do is that they publish science stories daily, which are available to the general public, even if you don't have a science background, the idea is that you should be able to understand these stories. The tone that is used across the entire um, online publication really invites you in, gets you to join the conversation by informing you without isolating through the use of jargon. There's no academic veil behind which all of the juicy information exists. It's out there in a really accessible way and they use really cool illustrators and graphic designers to do the design so it's visually very delicious and I urge you to check them out. The reason why I mention Massive is because they have a series called Science Heroes which is all about highlighting scientists that you might not have heard of who are mostly women. I think they are all women in fact and it's a really fun series that gives you a little bit of insight into some of the personalities and discoveries of these incredible women in science. And if that wasn't a cool enough idea, then Master Science have actually just launched their Women of Science tarot deck, which is coming soon. It's available in June, but you can pre-order it today via their shop um, at MassiveSci.com. And it's a really, really awesome project, which was made possible by a Kickstarter campaign. So the Women of Science deck is a card game that helps us tell stories about our future based on principles of science. So the cards feature a fundamental scientific concept, 
like extinction, diversity or gravity. And then the 56 cards feature inspirational women who have changed the course of STEM. And it's amazing because the focus is really on creating a feminist tarot card that values diversity and representation. And I don't think there's anything else like it out there. So inspired by this, Sound Science this month is going to be all about some of these women, some of my favorite women from the Science Hero series. And I'm gonna do it in a little bit of a LeVar Burton read style. So that's a podcast where LeVar Burton, who you may know from Star Trek Next Generation, just reads things in a nice voice. So I'm gonna do the same and I'm gonna play tons of great music by some of my favorite female musicians. So sit back, relax. This can just be in the background. Take it in, absorb it through your pores um, and just listen to some pretty amazing stories of some women who have changed the face of science who you may not have even known existed. Enjoy. Annie Easley, the barrier-breaking mathematician who helped us explore the solar system. There's a famous photo of Annie Easley. She's standing next to a huge control panel with dials, lights, buttons from floor to ceiling. She looks like a character in a movie commanding a fearless space mission. But it's real. It was taken in 1981 in the central control room of NASA's Lewis Engine Research Building in Cleveland, Ohio, as part of a profile on Easley for a feature story in Science and Engineering newsletter. Although Easley never had a movie made of her life, she was a hidden figure in her own right, as a barrier-breaking mathematician and rocket scientist who worked on countless NASA projects for over 30 years. Annie Jean Easley was born in 1933 and raised by her single mother in Birmingham, Alabama. She lived there until she left for college at Xavier University in New Orleans, Louisiana. Easley started off studying pharmacy. I just thought it would be fascinating, she said in a NASA oral history interview. Now, it may have had something to do with going to the corner drugstore where they had all the candy and all the ice cream. Easley left school and briefly returned home to Alabama in 1945. When she first registered to vote in Alabama, she was subjected to a Jim Crow era poll tax and a test on Alabama's history. She used her college background to help others overcome the onerous voting system. She married and moved with her husband to Cleveland to be near his family. Once there, she found out that the only pharmacy school in the area had closed, so she had to look elsewhere for work. In the newspaper, she read a story about a pair of twin sisters who worked as computers, performing mathematical computations for the engineers at the National Advisory Committee for Astronauts, also known as NACA a forerunner to modern NASA, the same NACA that hidden figure Katherine Johnson worked at in Virginia. It sounded interesting and she'd always been good at maths, so the next day she drove to NACA at what was then called the Lewis Research Station and applied for a job. Two weeks later, she was working there. Initially, she worked as a computer in similar roles to Johnson and the twins she'd read about. But Easley was an eclectic, multi-talented mathematician. When computers, the machines, not the humans, came about, she learned assembly language and Fortran and became a programmer. She worked on batteries, including studies on battery-powered vehicles similar to modern-day hybrid cars. 
She worked on shuttle launches that measured destruction of ozone and helped test and design the NASA nuclear reactor at Plumbrook. Her most famous work was on the Centaur rocket. The Centaur was a first-of-its-kind rocket using a unique fuel system, and its legacy endures to this day. When Surveyor 1, the first American space probe to land on an extraterrestrial body, landed on the moon, it was powered by a Centaur rocket. A Centaur launched the Cassini probe to Saturn. When NASA's InSight spacecraft lands on Mars, it will have gotten there using an Atlas V 401 rocket, a modern iteration of the Centaur. Though she stayed for over 30 years at NASA, having more good memories than bad, she was clear-eyed about the racial discrimination she experienced. She related a story of being photographed, along with her co-workers, for NASA promotional photographs. She was humiliated to find that no matter where the photos were used, she was cut out of them. She was denied financial aid that NASA gave to other employees to pay for additional college courses. No reason was given. Still, that is not enough to deter me from my life goals, she later said. You keep going because there are people who have authority and I think sometimes they abuse it. It makes them think, I'm in charge if I say no. Easy retired from NASA in December 1989. She skied, played tennis and volunteered. She worked part-time in real estate and occasionally tutored. She passed away in 2011. Reflecting on her life and the obstacles she overcame, she said, I think of the poem, Mother to Son by Langston Hughes. Life for me ain't no crystal stair, but you've got to keep struggling. That was published on November the 26th last year and written by Dan Samarodinsky. Hey, yeah. You don't have to love me. You don't even have to like me. But you will respect me. You know why? Because I'm a Before moving on to our next science hero story, I'm going to take a pause to acknowledge Marie Curie, a science hero that I'm sure that you have heard of. This is five facts about Marie Curie chemist, physicist, and Nobel legend. In Warsaw, there's a museum dedicated to the life of Marie Curie, located in the house where she was born. In this museum, there's a plaque with a quote from her that says, it's a short, simple history, lacking great events. I was born in Warsaw in a professor's family. I married Pierre Curie and I have two children. My scientific work I did in France. Biggest understatement ever. Fact number one, she's got a lot of firsts. Sure, she's the first woman to win a Nobel Prize, but she was also the first, and still to this date, the only person to win two Nobel Prizes in two different science fields. She won the Nobel Prize in Physics with Pierre Curie and Henri Becquerel in 1903 for their research in radiation, and in 1911, she was awarded a Solar Chemistry Prize for discovering polonium and radium. She's also part of the only mother-daughter team to win Nobels. Her daughter, Irene Joliet Curie, won her Nobel Prize in 1935. Fact number two. She was a World War I hero. 
After the outbreak of World War I, Korea saw a need to bring scientific advancements to the front lines. The sooner soldiers could be operated on, the better their outcomes. But at the time, most diagnostic equipment, like X-ray machines, were limited to city hospitals. She developed mobile radiography units by outfitting cars with X-ray equipment and generators, and then enlisted a group of women, including her then 17-year-old daughter, to run them. These mobile units became known as, bear with my French accent here, Petit Curries, or Little Curries. Curry made 20 mobile radiological vehicles and installed 200 more at field hospitals. Over a million wounded soldiers are estimated to have been diagnosed with her X-ray units. Fact number three, she actually went by her full name, but for this I'm gonna need a little bit of help. Pronouncenames.com Marie Skodowska Curie. So even after becoming a French citizen, Curie retained her Polish identity. She hired a governess to teach her daughters Polish and took them on visits to her homeland. She even named the first chemical element that she isolated in 1898 after her native country, calling it polonium. Fact number four. She and her husband made a great team. So Marie met her husband, Pierre Curie, in 1894 while she was looking for a laboratory space and found him a dedicated partner for life and for science. Despite their mutual love and admiration, Pierre Curie had to propose twice before she agreed to marry him. She was still planning to return to Poland. He, however, would not be dissuaded. He told her that he would go to Poland with her even if all he could do there was teach French. They married in 1895. So I love this bit. In 1903, Pierre Curie was tipped off that only he and Henri Bacquerel were nominated for the Nobel Prize. He insisted on his wife's inclusion in the nomination. They were inseparable. They bicycled together, traveled together, and discovered elements together until his unfortunate death in a road accident in 1906. She was devastated by his death and carried on with her work in his memory. And finally, fact number five. There was a very public scandal around her second Nobel Prize and not because of the science. With the Nobel Committee poised to honour her with her second Nobel Prize, this time in chemistry, she became the unlikely centre of a sex scandal. She had been seeing physicist Paul Levin, a former student of Pierre Curie, for about a year. The problem was that he was married at the time, and his wife was not so keen on the arrangement. Madame Levin chose to reveal the details of the affair publicly only a few days before Curie's second Nobel Prize was announced. At first, the public derision looked like it might actually be enough to keep her from claiming the prize in person. But an encouraging letter from Albert Einstein helped. She made her way to Sweden to dine with the king. That piece was written by Lauren Mackenzie Reynolds. She's a neuroscientist at McGill University and that was published on the 9th of November back in 2017. Up next, I'll be talking about a botanist who made sugarcane sweeter and snuck a squirrel into England. Stay long. 
So I have a love-hate relationship with our next science hero. Born into a matrilineal family in what is now known as Kerala, India in 1879, sorry, flip that, 1897, Amnal is best known for helping to develop a sweeter and more abundant variety of sugarcane. I have such a sweet tooth. I'll have sweet, even with my savory. Throw a raisin in my salad, delicious. Put some chutney on my cheese, yum. I love sweet things, and if there were no consequences, I would probably eat a packet of Haribo a day, but instead I try and be more controlled, and I try and make better choices, and for example, enjoy the sweets of nature grapes, but I do love sugar and it's not very good for you, but we have her to thank for making sugar sweeter. She was also a pioneer for Asian women in science, becoming the first Barber Oriental Fellow at the University of Michigan, one of the first salaried women at the John Hines Horticultural Institute in London, and one of the first female scientists to receive India's prestigious Padma Shri honour for her work on the Botanical Survey of India. Here are three stories about her life. She was insatiably curious. Amna is best known for her work on polyploidy, the complex way some plants inherit multiple chromosomes rather than just one pair, like humans, which help botanists better understand how plants evolve and diverge into new species. But as a scientist, she was a true Renaissance woman, studying everything from cell biology to genetics to phytogeography. That's the way plants are distributed throughout the world. She also worked with a wide variety of plant species, studying everything from magnolias, my favorite flower, to eggplants, my favorite vegetable, to sugarcane, which we've already touched on, and also medicinal plants, traveling widely throughout India to document local plant lore. In a 1939 letter to a friend, she wrote, I am a born wanderer, there is a great restlessness in me. She was inspired by Gandhi to lead a simple, principled life devoted to her work and service. Amnal had a long and distinguished career and worked right up until her death in 1984, the year I was born. I feel very connected to this woman. Anyway, accounts of Amnal from friends and family recall that she dressed, ate and lived simply and was completely devoted to her work. She seems to have been inspired by Gandhi to live a simple, focused life, writing to her brother during her early studies. I'm glad to tell you that I had the luck to listen to Mr. Gandhi's lecture the other day. You should have seen the man, so plain and so Indian. One cannot but be impressed by his simplicity. I have a great mind to give up everything and devote my life to the service of the mother country. Why not join the servants of India society that is doing so much good to our land? I think it is the best way I can devote my life to a good end, but I am sure such a life as a young unmarried woman will be hard as well as dangerous. I must pass my BA and then I must think about what to do. So this last story I didn't believe when I first read it. It's absolutely bonkers and it just makes me love her more. Although Amnal was devoted to her work, her writings and anecdotes from friends reveal that she retained a distinct sense of humanity throughout her life. One of the most famous stories about Janaki is that she smuggled an Indian palm squirrel named Kampok 
into England in the folds of her sari when she went to work at the John Hines Horticultural Institute in 1940. That piece was written by one of Massive's staff back in March 2017. So this next science hero, Wang Zhengyi, is an amazing woman. Um, I really respect her because she was progressive, not just in science, but also art. And I'm always banging on about wanting to bring the two worlds of art and science together. And she did that and did it with disregard for the sexist norms. Wang Zhengyi was born in 1768 in early Qing Dynasty China, a time when women had no legal rights and women's education was largely limited to prescribed duties such as cooking and child rearing. And yet, in her tragically short life, she died at the age of 29. Wang Xinyi became an accomplished astronomer, mathematician, textbook writer and poet. Born to a family of academics, she learned basic mathematics, medicine and geography from her father, astronomy from her grandfather and poetry from her grandmother. At 16, she began learning advanced mathematics and astronomy by herself, studying several traditional Chinese texts along with European classics. Beyond academics, she also mastered archery and martial arts. She was a prolific writer with at least 12 books to her name. Most of her works are expositions and explanations of mathematical theorems, such as the Pythagorean theorem and trigonometry. Though she also published a collection of original poetry and original articles on her astronomy research. This includes works explaining the movements of equinoxes, as well as a paper analyzing the movement of the moon and describing solar and lunar eclipses. She also made the case for the adoption of the Western solar calendar in China to replace the ancient lunar calendar. A largely self-taught scientist, Wang Zhenyi worked to ensure that mathematical knowledge was easily understood by students and other readers. In a way, you can think of her as an early pioneer of science communication. For instance, she rewrote an older specialist mathematical text called The Principles of Calculation by Mei Wending in easy-to-grasp language. She wrote another book called The Simple Principles of Calculation, where she developed easier multiplications and division methods for beginners. Several biographies also note that she tutored male students, which was something that was completely unheard of for women of the time. She seems to have been driven to demonstrate and expound upon astronomical phenomena. In one famous exhibit, she used a spherical lamp to represent the sun, a mirror to represent the moon, and a round table for the Earth. Using this setup, she could accurately simulate a lunar eclipse, a phenomenon then thought to have been caused by the gods. An educated woman living in a time of widespread sexism, she expressed her progressive ideas through poetry. Her style is usually direct, often poignantly depicting scenes of wealth and gender inequality in her society. This included exposing the misogynistic views of her contemporary male academics. Unfortunately, most of Wang Zhenyi's scientific and literary works have been lost to time. What remains suggests a remarkably capable scientist, a dedicated educator and a fierce reformist in mid-18th century China. In 2004, the International Astronomical Union recognised Wang Zhengyi's achievements by naming a crater on Venus after her. 
That piece was written by Devang Nitas. And that's a wrap for Sound Science this month. Thank you so much for tuning in. It was an absolute pleasure as always. I hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to carry on finding out more about these science heroes, these incredible women who have changed science in ways that they haven't gotten as much recognition as they should have for doing, you can go to www.massivesci.com under Science Heroes and there are loads of stories. For track listings, the tracks that I've played will be up on the Dub Lab website once the episode is archived. You can also go to the website, which is www.soundsciencepodcast.com and there'll be a playlist there and also the tunes and some show notes. So all that is left for me to do is to bid you a farewell and an awesome Monday. Until next time, take care.